0: Interestingly, the the, the third Monday in January is is reputed to be the day that most people feel super depressed. And it's known as Blue Monday. And... But what I found out as I was researching this even more is that Blue Monday was actually created as a publicity stunt by a holiday company called Sky Travel back in 2005, uh, and and it was created based on this, um, on a scientific equation that at best was pseudoscience. So maybe Blue Monday is a thing, maybe it's not. But it is one of those things that I could easily see becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy well, I guess today is Blue Monday, the most depressing day of the year. Actually, come, now I come to think of it, I am feeling rather depressed, right? That's, that, that could easily happen. And the Centre for Suicide Prevention wrote an article, actually, that rubbishes the idea of Blue Monday. But in this article, they also say this. It's easy to see why, why the idea of Blue Monday persists. Because after the holiday people. Season, people may be more in debt, um, they may be missing family and friends that they were able to reconnect with over the holidays, or they may have a difficult time readjusting to the return to work. Hands up if you're having a difficult time readjusting to work or thinking about readjusting to work. Uh, and then this article also says this, that seasonal affective disorder, SAD, is another explanation for why people may feel down in the month of January. So Blue Monday or no Blue Monday, that is the question. And I'm not sure. But what I do know over these past few weeks is that folks connected with our extended church community have experienced some significant losses, some hard times. Yes, some joys, but many, many losses. And these losses, these tough circumstances, these, um, these situations can take their toll on our soul. And so normally the first Sunday in the new year is a vision casting Sunday. It's a rah, 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 you know, this is, you know, you know, this is where we're going to go, mapping it out, getting everyone excited. Um, but we're, we're not going to do that. Now, maybe today you're not feeling low. Maybe you're wound up and ready to go into 2020, which is amazing. But I do know, even if you are excited, that at some point in the future, you will feel those whispers of sadness, of loneliness, or of unfulfilled dreams. So either you're experiencing it now, or you'll be experiencing it soon. And so I wanted to take a few minutes today based on one of my own soap dives into the word scripture observation application and prayer and i wanted to speak some truth from god's word into your circumstances i want you to know where you are right now that god hears you that god understands you that god loves you And that God wants to gently lift you out of your doldrums by reminding you just how good he is and how great his love is for you. And also by reminding ourselves of how stunning the message of the gospel is. That a holy God invites us into relationship with him through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. So please turn with me to Psalm 42 verse 5. Psalm 42 verse 5. If you don't have a Bible, there are ones in in front of you. So uh, grab one, open it up to Psalm 42, verse 5. Psalm Psalm 42, verse 5 says this. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Verse 6, my soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. Friends, the life of the Christian, the life of faith in Jesus is marked by self-talk. You know that you're growing in Jesus if you have an internal conversation going on inside you. This is not a sign of craziness. It's a sign of sanity. Talking to yourself in Jesus is not a sign of madness. It's a sign of maturity. So if you can master the art of talking to yourself in a godly way, then many of your mental health problems will be dealt with. With God's help, with Jesus leading you, and with the Spirit empowering you, you can navigate yourself out of the valley that you find yourself in. Now that's not to say that medicine is bad or antidepressants aren't great, because they are But learning the skill of speaking God's truth to yourself is a vital part um, in the life of a Christian who's growing. As is spending time with other Jesus followers. And so is reading Jesus' word. And so even even before I I get into this idea of self-talk, I want to remind you that tomorrow, and you've heard this before, but it's in my sermon notes, so I'm going to say it again, starts the 70-day Bible reading challenge five days a week, weekends off, takes us through till Easter. And we will read through the whole of the New Testament. And uh, and so I strongly encourage you to uh, join. Now, if you're not part of a grow group, join a grow group. I'll be having mine in the showroom uh, starting Mondays, actually starting tomorrow, um, where where uh, we will be kind of looking at what this looks like and then starting our process and then it, it will be every week from there on from seven till eight, just one hour. Um, okay, so that's my little thing about being part of the community and into God's word. Now let's get back to self-talk which is also good for our mental health. Um, now, I know I've talked about self-talk in the past, um, you know, I've mentioned Martin Lloyd Jones, who said, "Don't listen to yourself; instead, speak to yourself." Um, he 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 wrote a wonderful book about this called uh, *Spiritual uh, Depression*. Very, very good. Um, but it's so this idea of self-talk is so important and so vital that we get it right. You see, we live in a culture that's more connected than ever, but is lonelier than ever. We live in a world where we've exchanged God's eternal truth for an Instagram feed. And so we're happy to listen to the the, the opinions of others and we internalize those. Um, But as we do that, God's truth is kind of crowded out. His silence is left on the sidelines. And so this year... I want us as a church to regain this skill of speaking God's truth to ourselves. And Psalm 42, verse 5 and 6 kind of gives us a calls Notes version of what this can look like. And this is how it looks. First, you ask yourself. Second, you remind yourself. Third, you tell yourself. And fourth, you arm yourself. Okay? Simple. First, you ask yourself. Second, you remind yourself. Third, you tell yourself. And fourth, you arm yourself. So first, ask yourself, verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Now, the question why is important, uh, because it gets us to the heart of the matter. Many times, we feel something, no, we feel bad, um, and then we jump straight into the, how can I not feel bad? How can I sort it out so I don't feel this way, so I no longer feel this way? And that's often when we turn to self-medication, like through um, substances or media or through relationships okay and that's when we're in effect putting a band-aid on a heart attack okay band-aids don't work on heart attacks but that's what we do when we jump straight from the why into how can I not feel this way anymore so it's important that we ask ourselves this question, why? Why am I feeling this way? And, and, and what the psalmist, so this isn't a psalm of David, it's the psalm of the sons of Korah. And what the psalmists do is that they act as their own therapist here. Uh, so really what, what happens is the psalmist sits himself down on a couch and says to himself, tell me all about it. And he asks himself two key questions. Why are you downcast, and why so disturbed within me? Now, the Hebrew for downcast is saha. And, and that word literally means uh, bent low, folded over, kind of in a, in a heap on the floor. And the word for disturbed is hama. And this can mean either a lament or a growl, even has this sense of snarling. You know, you know, like when you have a dog backed into a corner. That is hammer. So have you ever had those moments where you're so twisted up inside, you're so, so het up, so, so full of emotion and feeling that you just in, involuntarily verbalize it, almost in a growl or a moan. I've had those moments. And then you vocalize it, and then you're embarrassed, and you're like, okay, I have to ease off here a bit because this is embarrassing. This is what downcast and disturbed means. You're folded over, kneeling on the floor, and you're verbally muttering and vocalizing this storm that is inside. And what Psalm 42 tells us is don't stop. Don't put a sock in it. Don't clam up. Allow it out. All of the stuff and the mess and the pain. If you have a friend who you're able to do with this, who able to do this with, great. But if you don't, then doing it alone, knowing that God is listening to you, is an amazing thing f- f- for you to do. And then and then after you've kind of groaned and vocalized and snarled, you can then Act as God's voice into your own life and ask yourself the question that God's asking you, why? What is going on here? Why are you feeling this way, Dan? And why the question why is so important is that you need to give form and structure to this milestone that's happening Inside you, you need to investigate yourself. You need to ask yourself why? Is it because of broken relationships? Are there unmet expectations? Do you feel that, that God has maybe abandoned you? Have you not felt Him for months and months and months? I mean, just in this place. Is there unconfessed sin in your life? Are you afraid? Are you anxious? Do you feel let down? Do you feel like you've let down others? Are you angry? Have you passed some kind of point of no return in your life and it's breaking your heart because there's no way back? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Don't rush this part. Allow yourself to express unfiltered Okay, sometimes we feel awkward about having unfiltered conversations with God. But, some, but I think that that is often the best thing that we can do. So unfiltered, unhindered. Speak it out without, without any judgment of yourself. And once you've done that, once you've started to get a good grip on the why, you can then move on to step two, which is to remind yourself. So ask yourself, remind yourself. And the psalmist says this. In verse 5 again, put your hope in God. Hopefully by this time, you will be so, so vulnerable and your wounds will be so raw that you're ready for God to step in and start the healing process, to start bandaging you up once again. Friends, when you're bent over double on the floor, growling to yourself, you know that your hope cannot be found in here. You know that you need to subcontract your source of hope out there. You know that you need to bring an expert in. You know, if I have a raging fire in my house, I don't try to put it out myself. I call nine one one straight away because my hope is them. My my hope is the volunteer firefighters of North Gore. And when God in his grace allows us to reach a place of total failure and inability to fix ourselves, it is at that moment that we can call our heavenly 911. We call our Father who art in heaven. We we call upon the, the God of the heavenly hosts, the God of the angel armies. We place our hope in him. But naturally, on our own, we don't think this when our soul is twisted up in pain our instinct isn't to turn and to face God and to ask him instead our instinct is to turn inwards and to turn away from him just like Adam and Eve did in the garden to hide from him and that's why friends as your own counselor you need to remind yourself hey I know what you're feeling But put your hope in God where it has to be. We need to speak louder than the pain. We need to speak clearer than the regret. So friends, unpacking our true selves by asking why is absolutely key. If we don't ask why, then we end up emotionally stunted and ruled by these kind of nebulous feelings that we've never truly explored But having said that, there's a danger to the word why as well, because it can be like opening Pandora's box. There is a risk here, which is why when we open Pandora's box, we need to be ready with the reminder, whatever happens now, put your hope in God. We need to tell us that... That whatever we're feeling right now, even as we're downcast and we're disturbed, we're twisted on the floor and snarling, that this is not our final reality. That there's something beyond the pain, and that's Jesus. That he's the one who can say, peace, be still, into the storm-tossed life, and it will be done. So ask yourself, remind yourself, and then... You have to tell yourself. This is the moment when you, the therapist, picks up you, the patient, off the floor. You wipe the snot off your face. You fix your rumpled clothes and you give yourself a cup of tea. And you say, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Verse 5. And I just love this, because if you look at that one sentence, the mixture of first person and third person is crazy. He says, put your hope in God. This is, this is the sons of Korah speaking to themselves. This is the psalmist speaking to himself, and he says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. You know, it looks like spiritual schizophrenia, but it's not. Because what's happening here is that I'm speaking to me and I'm telling me, like I'm someone else, to put my hope in God. And the reason is because I myself will praise Him yet. So you need to tell yourself that there is still hope hope in the gospel, hope in the cross. You've already reminded yourself that this, whatever this is that caused you to be on the floor, is not your final reality. Now you need to tell yourself that this is not forever. Job says something similar in Job 19, where he says this, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end, He will stand on the earth and after my skin has been destroyed so that hard time comes and he goes through it yet in my flesh i will see god i myself will see him with my own eyes i and not and not another and then he says this at the end how my heart yearns within me now i wonder if your heart's yearning in you for that job experience this psalmist his problem led him to be downcast and, and disturbed. And the solution was to remind himself and remember. And the message of Job and the message of this psalm is that in times of present struggle, remembering God's work in the past leads to hope in the future. In time of present struggle, remembering God's work in the past leads to hope in the future. And But then we have to ask ourselves, what is it that the psalmist reminds himself of God? Like, what are the characteristics of God that the psalmist brings to mind? And we read that in in verse 5. As he's in this moment of raw need, the psalmist relates to God in two ways. Number one, as his saviour. And number two, as what? His God. He knows that he needs to be saved. And he knows that only one person can save him. And he also knows that he needs to submit to the kind and loving care of his, of his God. He needs a saviour to save him and he needs a God to submit to. So friends, whatever your ailment or affliction of the soul, the answer is Jesus Christ. Only his blood can make the foulest clean, as Charles Wesley said. You know, in these January blues, if they exist or not. What you're experiencing is a longing for God himself. Verse 1 of Psalm 42 uh, expresses this absolutely beautifully. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God And so I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what baggage you're carrying around with you. I don't know what sin is weighing you down. I don't know what horrendous lies have been said to you as a child that you're still finding repeating in your ear. I don't know what undefined cloud of sadness weighs over you. I don't know what shame or regret presses you into the ground. I don't know the tears that have been shed or the tears that you've trained yourself not to shed. I don't know any of this. But I do know that there is an art to healing an art, an A-R-T to healing, that there is an art to picking yourself up off the floor, that there is an art to starting again in the grace of our Lord. And this art is A, asking yourself, R, reminding yourself, and T, telling yourself. And then after explaining this art of self-talk, the psalmist ends these 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 this one and a half verses by arming himself. So it's the art, and then, arming himself he retrains himself he teaches himself a new skill in verse 6 and verse 6 says says this my soul is downcast within me therefore I will remember you and this is a summary of the art process this is the solution in a nutshell you see in the past with the psalmist this is how it went My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will self-condemn for being a failure and I will take out my feelings on others. I will spread my misery around um, either by talking too much about it and making others miserable or by not talking about it at all, letting it squeeze out sideways and make everyone miserable anyways. That's how he used to handle it. But now the psalmist has a new weapon, a new tool. He has a new strategy, a new reflex, a new muscle memory that he's learning. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. If you had a fire in your house, the reflex is to run downstairs to the front door and out into safety well, my family and I have lived on a ship for four years and we had to retrain our reflex because if we ran downstairs to the front door, as it were, we would be stuck and we would be burnt. Safety was to move upwards and outwards onto deck seven where the lifeboats would be lowered to and then we could get in the lifeboats and safely leave the ship. And so we had to do drill after drill after week after week to retrain our brains, not to run downstairs and out, but to run up and out we had to retrain our instincts and i think we need to do the same with our feelings we need to retrain how we instinctively respond instead of going down we need to look up we need to relearn our roots to safety and safety is in the grace and love of jesus christ and the way that we get there is by asking ourselves by reminding ourselves and by telling ourselves My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. So whatever you're feeling right now, this is not your ultimate reality. And though it's important to express your thoughts, don't treat these feelings, these thoughts like they're somehow infallible. Okay, acknowledge them, but treat them with a little bit of mistrust, Don't believe everything that your feelings tell you. Treat them as you would, kind of like an untrustworthy friend. It's important to hear what they say, but then don't take it on board that much. And in the same way as you're expressing these feelings and kind of uh, letting them out, but then kind of keeping them at arm's length, not taking them too seriously, at that moment you're inviting God in. You're drawing God's truth in close you're clinging to it you're embracing it with everything that you have because if your hands are full of God's truth then it's that much easier to turn away your inconsistent feelings if God is whispering in your ear the truth of who you are in Jesus then it's easier to drown out these lies and half-truths of your own feelings so remind yourself of God's character that he's your savior that he has saved you that he is your God That you can submit to him. Your feelings will do all in their power to convince you that they can save you and that you should submit to them. Well, they're liars. There is only one saviour. Allow him to save you. There is only one God. Submit to him. And lastly, remember that what you're feeling right now is not forever. That these feelings are not worth building your life on 2 Corinthians says this. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an an eternal glory that vast, that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, including your feelings, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4.17 And then lastly, Sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favour lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. In times of present struggle, remember God's work throughout history and allow this to lead you to a future of hope.